Marie, host of the Building of the Success Series. We're taking time this week on the show to kick back and reflect about what we're going through as a country. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got marches in the street for justice. And one of the people I was honored not only to meet but be mentored by his spirit and work, the Honorable John Lewis, has been called home. He started the phrase, good trouble. Good trouble. He was arrested more than 30 times in a civil rights walk. But we have to look at what that means for us now. We've got great people who are putting their lives on the line in the front lines out there now. And we're going to talk about what good trouble is about by talking to my guest who is on the front line. Not only with John Lewis, who was called by Dr. Martin Luther King to be a part of the Summit of Montgomery marches in 1965 and stayed with Dr. King in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference for three years, helping to register people to vote. Voting is something, and voters' rights is something we're fighting for today on many fronts. But we want to talk to him. What was that time like? What was going on at the time? Which is not much different then what's going on right now? Joe Cooney, Esquire, and I are coming at you right now. Hello, this is Sabrina Marie. We're reporting today about the uh, 60s and the civil rights movement of the 60s. On the phone I have Joseph Cooney of ULS. And, Joe, I'm going to give it to you. You take it away and let us know what happened back in the 60s. Well, thank you, Sabrina. Uh, I originally got involved when uh, Dr. King... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. responded to the violence of the first Selma March, which happened on March 7, 1965. Immediately, he invited the clergy throughout the country to march with him on the following Tuesday, which was March 3 of 65. I was invited to the Interracial Council of Washington, D.C., of which I was a member. It was a pretty short notice because we were expected to be in Selma on Tuesday. I was then a newly ordained priest at the time and uh, in my final year of theology studies. My religious superior, a priest by the name of Louis Every, immediately gave me permission to pay for my airfare and expenses and those of another Dominican priest because he wanted to show solidarity with Dr. King. Uh, we couldn't get a flight into Montgomery, so we booked a flight on Monday night into Birmingham, Alabama, and rented a car and drove uh, to Selma, which I think was about three hours it took us. We got to Brown's Chapel on Tuesday morning of the 9th, and clergy and religious were arriving from all over the country. Persons who had been in the Sunday march spoke of it and told us about the tear gas and the troopers, and uh, they even pointed to hoofprints of the horses outside of Brown's Chapel. There was lots of tension, and police were still on the bridge. And uh, from the chapel pulpit, speakers constantly preached the theme of nonviolence. Dr. King and Reverend Young were closeted in the offices working on strategy, because as I recall, a judge had not given permission for the march. And there were some doubts that there would be a march because of the fear of more violence, and no one wanted Dr. King and Andy Young and the leaders to be injured, as uh, John Lewis had. 
finally, uh, <clears throat> Dr. King decided that there would be a march, and I recall Hosea Williams and Reverend Bevel reiterating from the, reiterating from the pulpit that those persons who could not practice nonviolence should not join in the march. And finally, we left the chapel, and alongside the marches as we walked, that there were Southern Christian Leadership Conference staffers with the white armbands who were constantly reminding us to remain nonviolent. And we, uh, we Shall Overcome was being sung in other spiritual hymns like Climbing Jacob's Ladder. And we walked several blocks with people quietly watching from houses and the sidewalks. The streets were deserted, and uh, as I recall, there was a makeshift ambulance with a Red Cross banner uh, on its side uh, parked at the corner. Uh, there was no protection, no police, National Guard or police, as we marched to the bridge and its line of state troopers. But there was lots of resolute, confident singing, although it was not joyous or cheery. Over a thousand persons, mostly clergy and religious, the liberal clergy, mostly from outside the South, were in that line. When they turned a corner, and we turned a corner, and Dr. King, at the head, reached the line of troopers at the bridge, he knelt down, and we all did the same. As we knelt there, we said prayers, and said, and he said he would be back again to march to Montgomery another day. We could see him stand up. He stepped up and turned to the right and turned the column around. He led us all back to the chapel. There was some mumbling, but we all turned around. It was very, very tense. Back at the chapel, it was rumored that Dr. King had made a, a deal or arrangement with the Justice Department, the federal government. He would delay the march while they gathered federal government support. Dr. King was right because the following Sunday, President Johnson spoke out in support of the march and ordered the Alabama National Guard to protect the marches when they would march over the bridge on all the way to Montgomery on March 21st. The town was tense that evening, and we were all tired. That night, I stayed at the Shamrock Hotel in Selma. That evening, we also found out that Dr. Reverend Reeb was fatally attacked and killed. Next day, we returned, I returned to Washington to continue my studies since the march was being rescheduled. That summer, the summer of 65, and the following summer of 66, I was a volunteer with Southern Christian Leadership Conference promoting voter registration in the rural areas of the South. It was very, very difficult and trying in those days because it was not was very frowned upon. This was before the voters the voting uh, uh, voters right bill was passed by Congress. <clears throat> in 1967, I founded a nonprofit organization providing legal services to indigents and low-income persons in Washington D.C. I, over the years, I've worked in civil rights and various and. Department of Agriculture and the Commission on Civil Rights, and I also continue to work at University Legal Services with the agency's permission. University Legal Service today is involved in the rights of persons with disabilities and housing problems in the District of Columbia. I can truly say that my introduction to the South and the violence that had occurred there was very, very instrumental in 
and getting me involved in civil rights that I have been in civil rights these many years, even until today.